everyone and welcome back to the Business Chief Podcast. On this week's episode, we talked to Frank Wilde, Vice President of the Global Centre of Excellence at SAP. We cover topics such as technology adoption, the future of 5G and business models with AI and machine learning. I guess we'll kind of get started. Um, could you just give me a brief introduction to yourself? Particularly, I guess, obviously, we're always keen to kind of pick out any threads related to, to leadership and, and experience and I guess how that kind of informs your, your work at SAP and, and how you approach that, that role. Sure, sure, that sounds good. So to give you a quick snapshot, so I started my career as a software developer, um, transitioned mm-hmm. into consulting, and I spent roughly half my career um, in management consulting, so doing a mix of strategy and technology work, um, as well mm-hmm. as process re-engineering. So mm-hmm. um, transitioned into high tech coming out of consulting and um, spent a good amount of time with Dell and Apple before joining uh, SAP. Um, and one other kind of in parallel, I was an officer in the Navy. So I joined the oh, Navy. Okay. You know, so from a leadership standpoint, of, um, I spent nine years in the Navy. So right, I had, right. had a, a good experience as far as um, you know, working with you know, a number of folks, both in the Navy and the Marine Corps. Mm. That's interesting. Um, I, I mean, I guess that, that gives you a, another kind of insight or a different angle to leadership, I, I presume. And, and, and I mean, what, what were the most sort of valuable lessons that I guess translates from a kind of military career to, to your current role at SAP and again, other roles that you've had at businesses? I would say one of the most important things being, you know, really the focus on your people, you know, taking mm-hmm. care of people, you know, having a very, you know, very much an investment in their success and making sure mm-hmm. that they're taken care of. And weaving that into just the overall, you know, mission success. So yep. making sure that really the two priorities are balanced. So you know, when I think back, for example, to some time in consulting, it was very easy to to sacrifice, you know, staff, for example, to to accomplish a given project. Sure. But but I felt that the Navy did a very nice job of making sure that you know they they referred to it as your mission and your men. So making sure that mm. both what you accomplish and the folks that you you know drive through to success as a team you know, mm-hmm. are given the same level of priority and the same importance. Okay, fantastic. Obviously, a sort of overarching theme for us, digital transformation. And, and I guess this kind of enterprise approach, you know, it informs your work. I mean, if you're looking back at that career and, and we're sort of drawing on those experiences, um, and again, this is sort of framing context question, how has that sort of concept changed as technology has evolved for enterprises? And and what would you say have been the sort of key trends that are driving, driving sorry, this this heightened or increased need to, to transform, as it were? I would say it's the fact that you now have the ability to have essentially business models on demand come to life. So when you look at a Tesla or an Uber or a Lyft, I mean, you now have essentially a platform approach where as opposed to needing a dedicated application or a certain system to come to life to influence a specific change, Mm. you now have a platform that you could essentially, you know, very similar to Lego blocks. I mean, you can create a number of new businesses or a number of new concepts in a very short period of time with a number of pre-defined or pre-built services or microservices. So when you think about the acceleration moving from a mainframe environment into client server, and now we're at, you know, the cusp of edge services and edge computing, it becomes very exciting to see how you can weave together the fabric of a company in short order. You know, so whether that's a new venture within an SAP, for example, or whether that's Mm. portfolio company, you can do it in relatively short order. And when you see the impact and the magnitude, I mean, look at the Fortune 500, for example. I mean, Mm. a third of them are slated to be shifted out of the Fortune 500 every five to seven years. 
So you're seeing a, a rapid, you know, escalation of you know new business models coming to life and being able to displace incumbents, both in terms of market value as well as you know from a customer experience standpoint. So so I see that as really the key trend that you have a number of business models that technology can enable yeah. in short order. Um, and being able to bring those to life, you know, in a matter of you know months, as opposed to you know years or decades. Right, right, and 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 obviously te technology a, a, a core enabler of that. I mean, for you and and I guess for for SAP and the work you're doing at the moment, what what are the sort of what are the core technologies that are, that are really driving the most change, and I guess bringing the most value and and the biggest evolution to enterprises. So I would say it's it's very much a um, a four part you know kind of weave. So okay. it's a mix of edge services, mm -hmm. data management, analytics, and potentially supply chain offerings. And, right. and SAP is uniquely positioned because we've had 45 years of experience in the supply chain domain and being able to have a deep functional understanding of business process mm. enables us to really be able to look at you know, new business models and new operating models for our customers through a unique lens. And when you marry up edge services, data management, analytics, and digital supply chain services into a holistic offering. So this is actually something that we announced you know, publicly, publicly in October with Verizon, mm. for example, mm. that we went to market to be able to showcase how we could leverage our platform. So those four portfolio areas woven together yep. to then be able to help shape and influence a given organization's IoT strategy becomes very powerful because whether it's a retailer and you're using video and analytics at scale in that you know retail store or mm -hmm. a manufacturing shop floor looking to to leverage you know iot or new sensors and ar technologies sap can provide the backbone and the foundation as well as serve as an accelerator to bring those new technologies to life to be able to help spur a new level of digital transformation and new innovation moving forward Sure, sure, and 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 since since that announcement in October, how has that concept, I guess, you know, for, for want of a better phrase, be, been been grasped by the the enterprises, the companies that you're working with? How has it rolled out? I mean, has it been as you expected? Has has it been better? Has it, you know, what, what how has that sort of journey gone? Uh, that journey has gone very well. I mean, we're very excited by the by the adoption and and even having customers pulling us mm. for you know, those solutions, because it's, again, it's a unique offering in the sense that we've taken our platform and married them together. So we've created the glue mm -hmm. that's pulled together disparate aspects of our platform and mm -hmm. married it into advanced connectivity. So partnering right. with a Verizon, for example, to be able to, to link in and have their mobile edge connect um, platform, which, you know, brings, you know, uh, edge services to, to, a number of you know organizations moving forward across vertical. That's a very mm -hmm. powerful statement, and we've had you know quite a bit of you know an upswell of customer adoption even in you know the economic times that we have today. It's very exciting to see quite a few customers anxious to take advantage of you know new advanced connectivity married with our IoT solution. Sure. Okay. Thanks, Frank. And and more for my benefits uh, and, and to frame the article, I mean, the center of excellence, um, could you give me a sort of overview of, of some of the core fundamental activities? And I guess the differentiators between an SAP center of excellence and, and some of your competitors or some other similar businesses in the, in the, in the industry. I mean, what are you giving to companies that, that others aren't, for example? So I, I would say, so the global center of excellence is designed to do a couple of things. It's really designed yeah. to both innovate 
with our customers as well as help us innovate with our sales process internally. So with mm. from a customer standpoint, we help customers think differently about SAP because most customers mm. think of us as a legacy ERP organization. Yeah, you know, that sure. we can handle finance and supply chain, and you know we're essentially that um, you know that uh, foundation and that bedrock to be able to operate your business. Yep. But what they don't often see us as, as is as an innovator. You know, as an organization that's nimble, that's fast, that's quick to market, that's customer mm. you know, responsive. So the global COE, so there's 160 of us in the global COE, and the intent is to help serve as the glue, pulling together our product organization and our sales organization to be much more customer focused. So mm -hmm. when we sit down with a large you know, customer, you know, whether it's a Dell or a Cisco or an Apple, you know, we'll sit down, we typically, I mean, because we have limited resources, but we will typically focus in on strategic accounts and help them think differently around what their data can do for them. So our yeah. focus, you know, tied into my platform comment earlier, mm. we take very much a data platform approach and we bring in usually a team of data scientists and platform architects that can help a key customer of ours innovate. So think of it like a test drive. So yep. if I'm a large organization, I have a wealth of data, whether that's I'm looking for ways to improve how I operate internally mm -hmm. or whether I'm looking for new customer experience enhancements, my team will, will drop in and we will help put together custom machine learning or predictive models to be able to help the customer using their data think differently, whether that's a regression model around you know, losing customers, whether that's identifying the ideal price points for products and product adoption before a product is even launched. Mm. You know, the number of things that my team will do in turn from a data science standpoint and a predictive modeling aspect that mm -hmm. showcases the power of our tools and the power of SAP's platform. So sure. think, of it, think of it like a test drive. You know, we, we're taking that customer around the block for them to see how fast they can go, how responsive our platform and tools can be, and how exciting the experience can be. Mm. And again, it fundamentally changes the dynamic. And one of the other key points that I would highlight is, you know, like I mentioned, we're pulling together sales in our product organization, so we serve a stitching function. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the core components is the fact that, you know, we get customers, you know, outside of our typical finance and IT stakeholders. So okay. because we're having much more of a business-led conversation, it's mm. not bound by a technology or bound by a given solution set or product set. We instead engage with a general manager or a, or a VP of sales or marketing, you know, across industry. And the idea being that we help them think through a business problem and then pull mm -hmm. through the technical solution rather than thinking it in the other direction. In terms of looking at it through the lens of an IT or a technology view, we instead look at it through a business strategy component. So why is a retention model, for example, key for a bank or a telco? Well, mm -hmm. it helps you better understand the life cycle of that individual consumer yeah. for you to be able to act on. So our platform and tools can be applied to showcase, well, what is that life cycle of that customer? Where mm. would you like you need to engage with them proactively, potentially before they you know, may have left your service? Mm -hmm. So we look at those type of models and we do them really in a matter of just a few weeks. You know, six to eight weeks is typically a proof of concept timeframe that we'll run. And then it gives the customer, again, a, a unique lens into SAP and into our approach because we've just fundamentally changed from moving from, because it often takes us 
you know, a few months even to put a contract together. But my team yeah. will drop in on the ground and we'll do this as an investment in the relationship at no cost. And we can have the project done often before even a contract would need to typically be generated. Okay. I mean, I, I know it's going to be difficult to be general in a sense, perhaps. But I mean, if you're looking at those typical innovation journeys that, that you're helping those organizations with, what, what, are, what are the main challenges or pinch points that, that many organizations face, particularly, I guess, in a sort of technology adoption sense as, as they travel along that journey? I would say one of the key challenges, and we've run into this quite a, quite a few times with a number of customers, is really the question of where to start. Because okay. you have so much data, because you have mm -hmm. so much available at your fingertips. I mean, our customers are swimming in data, right? Yeah. I mean, when you think about just the fact that for video <laughs> analytics or for any kind of you know customer you know um, engagement or database around you know buying behavior, they're swimming in data. So where mm -hmm. do they start the journey? So one of the you know, innovation methodologies that our team has developed within the global COE has been to help customers along that life cycle. So to mm -hmm. identify, you know, what are the use cases that are most impactful? And we've done this mm -hmm. actually quite a bit in the 5G space, for example. So we've taken a look at, you know, what use cases, and it's often not for lack of identifying use cases, it's often yeah. that we come up with too many. So mm -hmm. how can we help our customers rank, prioritize the ones that are the most impactful? So within SAP, and this is something that we've you know, perfected over the last 45 years, has been one to look at the business problem through the lens of the end user or the lens of the consumer, so to be designed. Yep. We then use our platform and tools to serve as the foundation to pull customer data into. Mm. But in terms of then rank prioritizing, so let's say we've come up with a dozen potential use cases or you know, AI or machine learning models that a customer would be interested in us working with them on, we can help them apply a business case to really the top three or four to be able to rank prioritize, well, what's the impact? What's I the see. revenue generating aspect? What's the um, you know, potential cost savings or operational savings? And we do that in a relatively short period of time and we've ground that into an overall innovation methodology that I would say is unique. So to your point earlier, what does unique you know, that SAP brings yeah. to the table? is the fact that we've done this over the last 45 years. So we've mm. helped customers see through the eyes of their employees or their consumers, what experiences would they like to drive? We mm. then have solutions, particularly you know, cross-functional so solutions across our partner base, you know, like a you know, Verizon or a Deloitte. You know, we have a number of solutions that we have you know, partnered <coughs> together on. So we're mm -hmm. in a very unique position to help enable change across our value chain I would say unlike our competitors. And one thing along those lines, as as you, you know, as we're just discussing differentiators, yeah. you know, SAP, so my team in partnership with our telco, you know, with our telecommunications business unit launched a 5G council uh, two years ago. So in June yep. of 2018. And mm -hmm. the reason that we launched that council was to look at an industry level, mm -hmm. what key changes or business models would a, a new technology like 5G represent? Because 5G represents a step function change in capability. You're able to yep. pull together edge services, data management, um, you know, AI and machine learning, and it becomes very much a hub and a platform for innovation. Mm. So, so when we think about the 5G ecosystem and pulling together you know, companies like Verizon or Ericsson um, you know, we've got a number of, you know, both key customers and partners that we have pulled together into this 5G council. 
that we can use and we've essentially pulled together to be able to look at new business models, mm -hmm. new monetization strategies and new innovation methodologies, which has spawned a 5G playbook for specific verticals. So okay. We've created a number of playbooks that we can bring into customers. You know, and we've done quite a bit of work, for example, with Deloitte around as well as other SIs, but, but we've done quite a bit of heavy lifting with Deloitte creating mm -hmm these 5G playbooks, so a given customer can learn about 5G, explore specific use cases, and have that flow into tangible solutions and projects that mm. pull from SAP's software platform, we have a reference architecture to support that, pull mm -hmm. from connectivity of a telco, and mm. it leverages a system integrator like a Deloitte, for example, to, to quarterback or lead that implementation and that in and of itself, I would say, is a unique differentiator that we are two, maybe three years ahead of the competition in terms of having proof points on the ground around 5G implementations and showcasing how we can bring that to life with a unified software suite. Okay. So, I mean, 5G, obviously, is, as you say, represents a real step change. Um, on those verticals, uh, are you able to perhaps give me some examples of... of I guess how how vast that change is, or, or or how it's such a different method of thinking, and and are there any particular use cases or verticals that five G will benefit more than others, perhaps, for example? So on the five G side, we're very excited by the fact that five G in the enterprise for private five G deployments yep. is likely where we're going to see you know significant traction over the next two, three, four years. Mm. Yes, the public network will do amazing things from a five G standpoint, but it's going to mm. take you know, a significant infrastructure, you know, update over the next, you know, over that time frame for, yeah. for consumer services really to take hold. So where we're excited on the private side, you know, when you look at manufacturing, for example, and we've done this, you know, mm -hmm. we've helped pull and move to an industry 4.0 approach for key manufacturers, one of which we pulled out their Wi-Fi environment and actually implemented a 5G environment so that they could support autonomous vehicles. Uh, we worked with you know that re that uh, manufacturer to leverage you know AR goggles for example mm. to be able to you know track uh, work in progress material that was flowing through the shop floor you know so mm -hmm. we've done a number of you know innovative you know 5G slash data platform solutions mm -hmm. um, so we have leaned on the those experiences to shape and influence the innovation methodology that that we've put in place but. You know, when you think about, I mean, yes, SAP has a very strong track record in manufacturing. We also have a strong record when you think about retail. Yeah. So when you, for example, use video analytics at scale or mixed reality experiences to be able to scan through, you know, product contents or look for drug interactions, for example, it becomes very compelling that you can have on-demand services come to life in a, in a very light touch way to remove friction, for example, out of the retail environment. So yeah. when you look at aut autonomous checkout or when you look at mixed reality to be able to see product content, those are experiences that consumers don't have today, right? Mm -hmm. So we've been looking at how can we help retailers, how can we help the overall value chain <clears throat> with this type of solutions? So it becomes very exciting. And again, going back to my point around it being a platform, mm. we are so excited that with 5G, with our data platform, with our IoT solutions, we can really fundamentally change how our customers operate as well as how they go to market themselves right uh so so i mean 5g obviously kind of underpins all of those technologies as you were saying i mean how does it change 
the use or the application or the adoption of technology such as AI, machine learning, what does it bring out of those technologies that, that previously you, you couldn't, for, for example? So, so not just 5G itself, but, ed, but coupling it with edge services. Yeah, so when okay. you think about the marrying of edge services, so when I can, for example, have the processing occur on an IoT sensor or on mm -hmm. an autonomous vehicle, so I can define mm -hmm. exactly what's the optimal route for that autonomous vehicle or forklift, mm -hmm. that becomes very exciting. If you no longer have the delay that needs to, or the latency, to send those instructions to the cloud or to an on-premise system and then have to yeah, send yeah. them back, right? So you now have that on board. So you have quite a bit more intelligence and quite a bit more responsiveness that we can bring to life that we haven't been able to do before. Mm -hmm. um, and I would also say the other key component is when you think about just the pure bandwidth that new technologies like Wi-Fi 6 and 5G represent, you now move from a 2D environment into a 3D environment. So mm -hmm. if I, for example, as opposed to using an Excel spreadsheet to track down product on a shop floor, if I can use AR goggles to identify exactly a customer order, you know, it may be in located in three or four spots in the shop yeah, floor, yeah. and it had taken me six or eight hours to barcode scan and find that, well, if I could do it in a few seconds with AR goggles and have that route exactly where I need to go, mm. that fundamentally changes the worker's experience and their effectiveness on that shop floor in that day to yeah. the point that maybe they're working on three or four times as many customer orders as they had before. Right, right. So that's where we're seeing that step function change that because we have a platform approach, because we have the data and the analytics and SAP can provide really the core backbone to bring these technologies to life, whether it's, you know, advanced connectivity like Wi-Fi 6 or 5G, mm. you know, machine learning, you know, edge services. SAP can serve very much as that nerve center to make sure that all these technologies link together in a fluid manner and mm -hmm. it supports a given business process. Um, so that's where we're, we're very, very keen on, you know, when you think about the next five to eight years, we're mm -hmm. gonna see you know, significant change around how these organizations operate. So that's why we're, you know, we're very, very you know, bullish on the future. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's a really exciting prospect and it's a huge change. I mean, you talk about that, that five to eight year projection and, and significant change. I mean, where does, uh, uh, I guess, a sort of change management strategy come into that? Because as you said, it's, it's a huge shift for organizations. How do they accommodate, accommodate that? How do they work with that to ensure that the culture and change management processes are in place? So one of the things, I mean, that we've put in place within SAP, because we've taken and through our history, we've been very design centric. You know, mm. we've been very user centric in our design throughout our history. Mm. So I would say that the empathy and the trust to be able to focus in on the end user first mm -hmm. has served well over the course of the last 40 plus years. So yep. as we think about helping to enable and to your point, you know, how do you drive a new level of adoption around these new technologies and, and these new services? You know, we've been very, you know, we've taken very much a grassroots approach. So we've worked mm -hmm. with the user base, you know, for example, on that manufacturing 4.0, you know, solution. Mm. We embedded, you know, the core users, the core staff that are going to be leveraging that system right out of the gate. So we looked okay. for their feedback, their input, you know, helped them understand how this new technology, because for example, where they've been using barcode scanners and Excel spreadsheets, we actually made it very clear that not only was this new and innovative using you know, AR goggles, for example, to be able to see where the product was located on the shop floor, mm -hmm. but we got excited by the fact that they could now do things that they could never do before. I mean, there was a right. work 
safety concern, for example, that if they had paper in their hand or a phone or a tablet distracting them, because there's forklifts running around, there's heavy machinery they could get caught in. So there was clearly a worker safety concern. So there was probably 10 years where there was no development or no additional tools or, or benefits that the staff had. Yeah. And with us having a, a step function leap, I mean, it was literally like jumping from a bicycle to a car. So we helped them see that how fast they could go, how more product, how much more productive they could be. So that's, you know, when you see the, the light turn on in, in um, you know, a staff member's eyes, that becomes mm. very, very powerful. So that's very much the change management approach that we've put in place is relying on our users to shape and influence the design, involving yeah. them through the design and development process so that they're actually part of the solution throughout its entire design. So, so we've, I've seen that work extremely well in terms of how we approach, you know, kind of change management overall. I see. I see. And 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 what about the consumer? Uh, the evolution of a, the consumer. I mean, you, you, you've mentioned that a lot in in the approach. I mean, I personally write write a lot for financial services, fintech. Obviously, the personal experience customization is a huge trend. I mean, do you think that the way we as as a community, as people, interact with devices and technology is driving change for organizations and for SAP? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel that we're becoming, you know, there's a level of personalization and we're now at the cusp of yep. having personalization at scale, mm -hmm. meaning that every experience, whether you're an employee or a consumer, mm -hmm. can be tailored to that unique individual in terms of like we were touching on, you know, the, the worker on, on the shop floor. We yep. could map out exactly what their day looked like and how to optimize their day mm -hmm. before they even started. Right. I mean, you can imagine being able to do that, to be able to say these are, you know, the pallets you're going to need to move. This is, you know, the you know what we expect you to be able to support over the course of the next three, four or five hours. And being yeah. able to do that using AI and machine learning to be able to help map and, you know, route optimize where they need to flow in the factory, what they need to work on. And the same thing applies to consumers. I mean, imagine being able to help guide them very easily with light touch, you know, wayfinding, for example, as they mm -hmm. work through a given grocery or a given retailer, you know, being able to help them identify exactly the location of what they need, be able to help target and identify, you know, out of stock before it happens, you know, so mm -hmm. that there's not a negative customer experience. So there's a number of things that we're in a position, again, on the cusp, and not to say this can't be done today with 4G or existing technologies, but where we see, you know, the Wi-Fi 6s and the 5Gs of the world coming into play is that we're able to handle these data volumes at scale. So whether mm -hmm. it's a thousand cameras in a retail location or, you know, you know, bots being able to help support, you know, restocking of shelves, we're in a position that we can now handle that bandwidth and provide the predictive analytics and the data management to support the video yep. analytics as well as, you know, the customer experience improvements that we haven't been able to before. So it becomes, yep. you know, you know an, an, a very much an opportunity area for us as we think about the next three, four, five years. Great. Um, obviously, we should touch on COVID-19, how that's sort of changed the landscape. I mean, from, from your perspective, I guess, from a service offering center of excellence perspective and, and indeed, I guess, the way organizations are interacting with technology, what, what do you think will be the biggest changes and, and what is your kind of vision of, of that new normal that, that is a phrase that's used far too much already in my view, but how do you sort of see that being shaped out? Well, I, I see that there's a significant opportunity, particularly on the retail side, to you know, okay. remove contact out of and potentially friction out of the retail experience. Yeah. So 
so if, for example, I walk in store and I want to be able to route optimize, you know, the mm -hmm. product that I may not even necessarily specify, but off of past shopping behavior, you know, the your uh, a given app can be able to provide recommendations in terms of what you're going to need for groceries, for example, yeah. and, and where to find those and optimize that route through the through the shop. Mm -hmm. So when I think about new technologies like not being able to or being able to identify with mixed reality the content or drug interactions of a you know given pizza you know cereal for example yep or a box imagine <laughs> them not having to ask for help or engage with the local staff mm. um, and if you do need help we could also offer either ai chatbots or a level of dynamic content that could satisfy the consumer's need again where they may not need a retail you know, representative to be close by. And that becomes very exciting because it creates an operational efficiency for the retailer, but also eliminates the need for contact or engagement with, with store staff. You know, yeah. if for example, you had on your phone or on a dynamic display on the store shelf, content that's specific to that con con consumer in terms of drug interactions or knowing, for mm -hmm. example, you may have an allergy in the family. Imagine if that presented proactively, you know, as you're reaching for a box of cereal, imagine if that, you know, aid, that dynamic display said, whoa, wait a second, you should buy the one, you know, that's, you know, uh, a couple of feet down. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that sounds very amazing. exciting, you know, as we think about being, again, tailored to the individual and mm -hmm. needing, you know, or meeting their needs in ways that we haven't done before. Um, and yep. then to, when you think about, you know, efficiencies around self-checkout. So being mm -hmm. able to use camera analytics or being able to use uh, you know a given retailer's app to be able to drop you know those items in a shopping cart and then to be able to leave again it creates an efficiency where you don't even need the kiosks for that retailer to be manned or to even be present if you have a full you know uh, autonomous checkout you know opportunity so so there's a number of things that we see as tangible solutions even that the next couple years that we can implement to be able to respond to a covid-19 approach Amazing. Um, and I mean, in, in terms of the, the way we look at technology, do you think it will sort of reshape the way that the businesses prioritize their technology needs and, and their adaption strategy? Uh, absolutely. Because tied into my point earlier around when you yeah. think about the number of use cases that mm. are potential and you then mm. are better able to value. And one of the things mm. that SAP is very strong on, particularly over the last seven, eight years, with our data platform, we're uniquely positioned to be able to help and shape the modeling of the impact that each of those use cases holds. So mm -hmm. for example, if I want to take a look at, you know, what's the likelihood, you know, of, you know, a stock outage, you know, mm -hmm. around a given product, right? Well, if I could use past da data, you know, that's, that's stored in HANA, for example, I could better track and plan for, you know, supply chain needs as they, uh, uh, you know, as they approach, you know, a given stock outage. Yep. So using our data platform, you know, customers are in, unique positions that they can be able to model and emulate. Well, what if I have a real-time supply chain and inventory system, how can I take advantage of that and, and make sure that there is not a stock outage in that you know, situation? So, mm -hmm. so there's a number of things that our data platform is able to provide that, mm -hmm. um, you know, that uh, our customers can you know, lean on and, and rely on as they, as they move forward and, and define what technology spend would they need to focus in on to drive the most benefit. Okay. And, and so, I mean, sort of looking ahead, um, it's obviously a really exciting prospect and, and as you said, a fundamental huge shift. I mean, firstly, I guess, what are the priorities in terms of continuing this rollout? 
uh, and the way you work with customers and and has has the the the, the sort of covid-19 effect and impact has it changed the way sap is is viewing its its future strategy I would say, so our strategy over the course of the last, I would say two, three years, because we've mm. made a number of acquisitions has really yep. been to bolster and, and align the portfolio together. Yep. You know, to create connection points between our cloud and our, and our on-prem offerings. But mm. now that we have a number of new edge services and mm. edge capabilities, it's really creating a, 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 you know, a unique weave across those three tiers to make mm. sure that they seamlessly interact. So I would say that as we've buttoned that overall po portfolio up to have, you know, the, the edge cloud and on-premise, you know, solutions in our solution portfolio, whether it's around procurement or human capital or customer experience, as we bolstered that and pulled that together, I would say we're now in a unique jumping off point to take advantage of, let's say, advanced connectivity, you know, mm -hmm. like a Wi-Fi 6 or a 5G, mm -hmm. to be able to leverage new solutions and new capabilities and really get customers thinking differently about how they operate. So whether it's on a retail shop floor, whether it's in the healthcare space, you know, being able to use um, 5G, for example, to do remote physician training. Um, you know, we mm. work, we're working with one customer around how do we help them, for example, not fly physicians across hospitals or back to their, you know, to a central location, but actually use an immersive technology like 5G to emulate Yep. Um, you know, given patient procedures. And then when you think about patient confidentiality, imagine not have to worry that the scans or the patient content that's coming to an iPad or to a given, you know, doctor's phone or device to be able to share with a patient. Imagine if that was streamed using edge services. So it's actually never mm -hmm. stored on the device, but it's actually still retained on the cloud or in the server. That becomes a very powerful solution, again, where the device in and of itself is enabling the connectivity and the immersive experience for the for the patient, but then the, yep. there's a level of confidentiality that you, that you don't need to worry about. Brilliant, and, and, and Frank, I, I mean, I know you've talked about five to eight years and you've talked, I guess, projected to the future, but in terms of 5G and, and this this shift we're discussing, I mean, how many years do, do you see the rollout, the use of 5G being into the future until we have really achieved a, a, a widespread fundamental shift for, for many sectors and industries and organizations? Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, we've already started that journey with our customers. I mean, we've been doing yep. that over the last 18 months. So we've already yep. made this, you know, real today. In terms yep. of driving mass adoption, I mean, very similar to the I IoT forecast that we see for the next, mm -hmm. you know, three, four, five years. I mean, I think in the next 36 months, you're gonna see a watershed moment around each of those technologies. So edge services, okay. data management, as well as IoT adoption, you know, really mm. springboard and, and they're very much be a hockey stick, you know, let's say in 20, late 2021, you know, through the course of 2022, once customers, you know, enterprise customers have really been able to see the proof points that we've put in place over the last, you know, year, year and a half. Because from an enterprise mm -hmm. standpoint, as you know, I mean, 10 years is fast. So to think yeah, that yeah. to do this in three, I mean, I, I see that as a very strong case for, you know, why, you know, customers are very excited by the potential. Cause again, it's a platform, you know, it's not a specific technology. It's not a specific solution. So even customers that we've had, you know, advanced connectivity conversations with, you know, they are really the lights starting to come on in terms of, Oh, wow, this is a platform, you know, similar to HANA mm -hmm. for us. So you can do, mm -hmm. 
an, an amazing number of things with HANA in terms of solutions and capabilities, yeah. modeling, analytics, you know, storing data at scale. But then when you look at like a 5G, it's the equivalent from a, you know, in terms of connectivity. You now mm. can do video analytics. You can now track product all the way down to a centimeter. You can, you know, there's a number of things that you never even thought possible to enable a digital, you know, a digital transformation of most every yeah, yeah. So, so we're going to see both of those come into line. And again, I, we like to refer to it as a data tsunami. So we see mm. the data tsunami coming, you know, and then, you know, the swell is already kicking up and we're going to see it crash here in 24 to 36 months, I would say the estimate. Awesome. Um, it's a hugely exciting prospect. And obviously you, you, your passion for it, uh, it comes through. I mean, a, a couple of more personal questions, if I may, um, because we have a sort of nice uh, feature, feature piece on the interviewee as well. Um, I mean, throughout your career, obviously, you, You've worked across several areas of technology, as you said at the beginning. But I mean, what what, what sort of are the most exciting trends, technologies, and what have been the real sort of watershed moments dotted throughout your career that sort of have excited you most and inspired you? So what I love is you know really solving you know challenging problems. You know that both yeah. makes strategy, process, technology, and then when mm -hmm. you need in kind of a change management component to make sure that the change is sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I would say those are the most have been the most rewarding or the most engaging, you know, one of which, for example, was, you know, we had deployed, you know, on the public sector side, had done quite a bit of work with, with state and local government. So we had mm -hmm. redone, you know, a health and human services application for the state of California. We had deployed and reshaped, you know, the state of Nevada's DMV system. Wow. Yeah. You know, Nevada, for example, you could expect eight hours just to do basic transactions in terms of getting a driver's license and get your car registered. Right. And what we did was rather than just giving them a system, you know, you know, the RFP that the state had put out was just for a new system because their, you know, legacy database was 40 years old and they were pulling mm -hmm. spare parts off eBay, you know, to try and keep it up and running. Mm -hmm. um, and what they felt was, you know, they were a bit narrow in terms of scope, in terms of we just need a new database. And, and that when we went in and to look at the, the equation, we said, no, actually, you really need to look more holistically in terms of you need to change the layout of the offices, you need to cross train the staff, and then that'll, you know, support you know, new operations moving forward. So that's the type of work that I've very much enjoyed throughout my career has been, you know, how do we help you know, really create a, a public service and look at ways to innovate. Um, and one of the things that we did was, again, looked holistically around the process, the yeah. operation, as well as, you know, what was the customer and employee experience that we needed to marry together? And it moved mm -hmm. beyond the technical application. The application clearly was a foundational element, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, it wasn't the only pillar that we needed to focus in on. So, so that's very much how I've taken it throughout my career is, yeah. how do we make sure those four elements are satisfied? What's the strategy? What's the process involved? What's the technical platform? And then how do we enable that through a level of change management that's going to support adoption, you know, with the customer base moving forward or the employee base? Great. And 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 just finally, I mean, I guess with that center of excellence work, um, it, it obviously involves working closely with the customer. I, I assume that that's a sort of important aspect of that for you, building that long-term relationship. Is that? I guess for you and for SAP, is is that really an, a sort of fundamental way in which you work? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We're very much tied. I mean, even just in the last week, for example, yeah. we engaged with, a, with a, um, a a national university in the U.S. Mm. Um, we had focused in on. I mean, they actually came to us just a couple of weeks ago and and asked for help around how could we help them innovate. 
Um, and mm -hmm. they had no idea that we offered data science. They had no idea that we you know, had a platform and tools approach. Okay. So what we did was in short order, to your point, you know, we met with their head of supply chain. We met with the mm -hmm. head of you know, their finance organization and administration you know, for the university. And, and they're in an interesting position because they actually oversee both the medical center as well as the university's operations. So okay. you know, when you think about a university of roughly 10,000 students, when you have a medical yeah. center, again, kind of similar size, they were uniquely positioned. So one of the things that we did very quickly was we put in place, you know, we did an initial kickoff. We, you know, sat down and we met with their, you know, their head of supply chain and head of the mm -hmm. administration to understand what pain points were they running into. And one of the core ones actually was very much around COVID. So okay. they were concerned as you think about what are the impacts that COVID's going to have in terms of procedures that the hospital is going to need to prepare for. Mm -hmm. So we're helping them map out a predictive model of what hotspots and cases will they see over the course of the next six to nine months using our machine learning algorithms and our predictive analytics library. Yeah, And then that will shape and influence what material and what equipment that the university will need to order over those six to nine months, everything from gowns and PPE to mm -hmm. you know staffing levels for their surgeons and for their medical staff. So, mm -hmm. so we're helping them think holistically around you know something as straightforward as COVID, how can that you know, impact their supply chain and what, you know, material will they need to support it? Great. Um, Frank, we, we, we've worked through all of the, the questions, albeit we deviated after our question too, which is always the, the mark of a great conversation in my view. Um, <laughs> is there anything that, that we haven't kind of touched on that, that you wanted to, um, or any areas that perhaps I've sort of missed out in, in, our, in our conversation? I, I would say probably the one thing that, I, that we didn't on in much detail was just the fact that we help our customers so through the global coe mm. we very much take a blue sky approach to how we help okay. our customers innovate and i would say that that's i mean we touched on it a little bit but but that i would say is a centerpiece of how we're helping change the customer perception of sap so so even for example meeting with the university that we did i mean it was duke university at, yeah so so with duke um their head of supply chain reached out, you know, and was interested, you know, had mm. known that, you know, Duke is a longstanding SAP customer. They're looking to continue to upgrade with us, but they didn't really have a clear view of, of what we provided or other ways we could help them. Mm -hmm. So so when I think about the first conversation we had with, with Jane Pleasance, who heads up supply chain for them, she was very surprised that we offered, you know, a data science capability to help them put a predictive model in place. She had no idea, you know? So, right. so I would say in having open and honest conversations with the customer right out of the gate to say, look, we can help you do anything to be honest mm -hmm. with you. So it gets a, a level of customer interest and it piques their curiosity because they go, oh, wow, I, I didn't know that I could put together a, you know, a, a COVID predictive model or, a, you know, that would then drive what procedures we're going to plan for across the, yeah. the medical center. So, so I would say we, we take that approach with our other public and private sector customers, and it really helps turn the light on that, wow, SAP can be a trusted partner beyond Absolutely. the technology vendor. Sure, I see. And, and, and do, you, do you find that, that, that in that kind of blue sky approach when, when you're brainstorming and sharing ideas, do, do you find that, that customers have a good understanding of what they want? Do, do, do they know the area they're looking in or is it really, no, really no, open? That, that's part of where the experience and having a design-led process yeah, and yeah. really helps because we're able to help them. I mean, it's almost like a it's like a psychologist almost. They know what 
you know, questions to ask, you know, how do you lead the witness? Because they may <laughs> be a pain point, but not be able to even articulate, you know, what that problem is. Yeah. You know, so, and, and the reason I use the psychologist as kind of offhanded joke, we actually had a customer, you know, back in October who we did an explore, similar conversation as with Duke. We had an exploratory conversation to say, look, we can help you across the enterprise. We mm. can help you whether it's how you go to market with how you operate your organization. Really, it's just a question of where are your pain points? And once we got through that, let's say 60 minute conversation with that leader, they actually joked with us and they said, I would love to do this every week. This was so cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> you can get them on the couch. And, uh... <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that's interesting that you're leading it. Um, you know, interesting enough, I, I recently spoke to to another of, um, well, uh, uh, an SAP colleague, um, uh, Lorraine Longato, out in Asia Pacific, and uh, she was talk we were talking of similar things, and and she said that uh, sort of on the same theme, they had a client approach her recently and uh, asking for, I want some blockchain, uh, and they sort of said, why do you want it? And they said, I don't know, I just want it. Um, I guess is that a kind of similar theme of this blue sky approach? You very much have to lead them and say, no, 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 you don't necessarily. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. So it's worked extremely well because, again, this is the approach that I've taken throughout my career: is yeah, how do we look through the eyes of the end user? Yeah, yeah. Not at it through the eyes of you know, let's say the designer or the developer that's building yeah. the application, but actually leaning on the experience and insight you know that's coming from you know someone who needs to use that system or needs to have that predictive model in place and really doesn't again understand necessarily the components of how we can help them, mm -hmm. but we can understand their pain points and what they're looking to solve for. So if, for example, it is to be able to better plan for the next six to nine months, as there's mm. A lot of uncertainty in terms of you know either procedures or hospitalizations and that kind of thing we're in a very unique position because we can take a number of capabilities and platforms like our predictive mm -hmm. analytics library like our machine learning algorithms as well as past projects because my team for example has done 600 over 600 you know targeted data science engagements you know with customers to be able to showcase the power of our data mm -hmm. platform and our tools and we can even repurpose some of those algorithms to get customers excited by the art of the possible. So we can walk into a conversation, for example, let's say with Duke and say, look, this is where we've done other COVID type predictive models. These are similar type analytics and assessments of, of the market and of potential hotspots. So we can repurpose that to, again, help the customer think, oh, I had, that's exactly the type of need that I have, even though yeah. I, as a customer, couldn't articulate exactly what that challenge was. Great. It's been really interesting talking to you. Um, some fascinating insights there and, and obviously your your passion for the subject. Frank, I, I mean, I'm, from my perspective, I'm happy we, we have everything. Um, it's, it's been a really engaging conversation and some great stuff. Um, All right. Sounds great. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. You take care of yourself and stay safe. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Bye bye.